Yeah, I agree. That's been irritating the absolute crap out of me, because if games were on from, like, noon until midnight, then I would watch all of them. <laughs> ought to be a single dude with no kids again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 17 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey everyone, Rob Gilreath, you guys, and Matt Cavender. Was that a- with the upcoming series with NMU on the horizon? We reached out to someone our listeners have probably heard of: former Michigan Tech goaltender and current volunteer goalie coach Jamie Phillips. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, this week we'll be mainly focusing on the disappointment. <laughs> Uh, disappointing events in Houghton since last Tuesday, uh, the Joe Sean hour, the NMU rivalry, your questions, we got a few of those, and preview the three games ahead. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and discuss MTU Hockey with our guest, Jamie Phillips. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Let's get right into things with Jamie Phillips. First off, how are things for you being back in Houghton? It's nice to be back. I definitely didn't miss the snow, but <laughs> I miss the university. I miss being around the hockey team. Um, you know, this is a really important place and I guess my life and probably some of the four best years I've had. So be able to be back and, you know, back at school, back at the program, giving back and trying to, you know, mentor the young goaltenders. It's really, it's, it's an absolute privilege. So what brought you back then, really? Well, as my playing career was coming to an end, I kind of was trying to set up kind of my exit strategy. I didn't really want to be a guy who played, you know, bounced around and then kind of was up in the air about what to do after retirement. And I always knew I was going to go back to school at one point or another, even if I had played in the NHL for years and years. I I didn't really want to, I'm not a person to sit around. I get I get too anxious and and just, it would have been nice to make millions of dollars and retire, but that's not the type of person I am and didn't make the millions of dollars either. But uh, so when my career, and I knew that I didn't really want to play anymore. Uh, I had reached out to Coach Sean and I had just asked like, hey, like, I know you guys don't have a goalie coach. Um, I'm looking at making a transition. You know, is that is that a possibility? And and right away he was he jumped all over it. He spoke to uh, Dr. Sangret got everything sorted out and it really was a pretty seamless transition. And for me going back to school, working towards my doctorate, um, this was just another step in the process and to be able to do that while giving back to the university and working with the hockey team and still being a part of hockey is kind of like the best of both worlds. 
Nice. So what are you, what are you actually, your doctorate in what? So right now I'm, I get my master's in kinesiology and integrative physiology and starting in the summer, I'm going to get doctor of physical therapy, uh, through central Michigan. There's like a potent Michigan tech, central Michigan physical therapy program. So I'll be enrolled at central Michigan, but I'll be at tech's campus. So you might be our goalie coach for a while. Is that what you're telling me? That is the plan. <laughs> yeah. As to do what I can, uh, school's going to get a lot more, a lot more busy, a lot more serious starting next year. Okay. But, um, we'll figure out a way to, to make sure that I can give the goalies the attention they need so that they can be successful. Well, it's nice to know we, we hopefully have you around more than a year or two because coming in as a grad student, you're never really sure how long somebody plans on being around for a, for like a master's degree. But the fact that you can actually stick around longer and get your, your doctorate in Houghton, I think is going to be music to the ears of many of our listeners. I know it's really nice to to have a goalie coach. I know... J- Joe has talked a lot about his struggles since he got here as a head coach to to kind of understand that room and and uh, like how much different that role of head coach is that makes it harder to kind of break through maybe with with players um so having somebody there that knows what they're doing as a goalie coach I think is is an important thing for the program to have and it's nice to have you be a part of that. Yeah, and I would agree. And that's really a big, also another reason I reached out for the position is just that I know how, I know that what it's, well, being a former goalie, I know how important that goalie coach role is, um, both technically, mentally, just like making sure that everything's going smoothly. And I know that it's a different relation, coach, player coach relationship than you have with your head coach. And to have your head coach also be your goalie coach, in my opinion, just doesn't work. And I know that Joe, as he had, you know, as he had progressed, he's someone, he, you know, he loves being a goalie. He's also a people person. Like he wants to be in there. He wants to have, you know, take action and be involved with the goalies, but he understands that that relationship can't work. Um, you know, you can't, <laughs> as the goalie, you can't be frustrated. You're not playing and you can't be, you know, F and doing all this to your head, your goalie coach, when your goalie coach is the head coach and he's the same person that you're angry at, it just doesn't work. So that goalie coach is the person who bridges that, you know, connection. And so if if anything that the head coach wants to say to the goalies, it goes through the goalie coach, anything the goalies want to say to the head coach, it goes through the goalie coach. And just to make sure that, you know, you guys are being treated properly and just making sure that they're in the proper headspace to perform. And so, what with tech not having a goalie coach, that was really a big opportunity uh, that I felt that I could fill in and, and, you know, be a part of. Yeah. I always find it kind of weird that, you know, you've got a football coach for every single position on the field, it seems like, and there's a fleet of coaches, but hockey gets just two and they tend to focus. One seems to focus on offense. One seems to focus on defense and you, the goalies are kind of just left out there flapping in the breeze with a volunteer coach. That's <laughs> a frustrating aspect of the way the NCAA works for sure. You don't want to get me started on that. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's not let's not get the man in but trouble. I, I agree, and and that's been a discussion for that's been a discussion uh, with a lot of NCAA programs that bring in volunteer goalie coaches, or or you know sometimes they do it whether this the goalie coach is like my position, a graduate assistant, or they are you know they teach classes, they somehow get paid that way, uh, so they're like a faculty member, um, but. Yeah, it's football obviously gets priority number one in the NCAA. 
And I know this is a big problem too in baseball. If you look at NCAA baseball, they have a lot of coaches, but they're only allowed, they're not allowed a lot of positions. So I know there was a, there was an interview a few years ago in the NCAA championship where whatever team won the, the players kind of thanked their, their coaches and kind of made a plea to the NCAA to say like, look, these guys are here all day. They grind every day, just the same as all of us, like open up more positions, but hopefully that changes. It's an important role. I mean, everyone that understands hockey knows that, you know, you, in the end, like you can kind of win or lose in the back of your goaltender. So why not have a coach designated to that position? Um, it makes sense to me, but until hopefully the NCAA kind of gets on board with that as you know, hockey grows and as the NHL influences and gets their kind of hands and, and their say into all of it. Yeah, I remember the other, I remember talking to Jamie Russell actually at one point where he was venting to me about the fact that even as a volunteer goalie coach, you got you can't really work with the goalies in the off season. Is that right? Yeah, there, there's, so I, the rules might've changed. There's so, there's like, I don't really know. So I can't, I can't speak on that. I mean, I haven't had the, been able to work with them because of that, but I would assume knowing how the NCAA likes to make the rules that, yeah, I probably can't. Uh, I would guess that the best that I could do is just check in and say, see how guys are doing. I, yeah, I really, uh, I really don't know. That's probably, that's probably something I should look into before, uh, or the off season. Well, I just remember him telling me about how he he joked about how, like he he was joking about the idea of having like a trade off where like the Northern Michigan volunteer goalie coach works with the tech goalies and the tech go- and the Northern goalies work with the tech guy because that's kind of skirting the rules. But uh, I think that was back when we had was it Dieter as our volunteer assistant. Um, when I remember hearing about that, but it's, it is a, it's an interesting thing because so much of the work that a goalie does actually gets done between seasons when they actually have time to really, uh, you can make some bigger adjustments to your game in the off season than you can do in the middle of the year. Cause you really don't want to make major changes and screw something up and, and kind of ruin a season. So I kind of get that it, it, it's a weird spot too, because uh, you know, it, it just fits like everything else. How a goaltender is such a different animal in sports, where they're kind of on their own island. They need their own coaching, and 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 a lot of that work can you know gets done more in the off season, whereas the in season is more about maybe the mental game or or minor tweaks here and there. You can't really make those big changes in season, at least if you're playing. Maybe somebody like. Bailey, you could be making some bigger adjustments because there isn't really any expectation that he's playing this year with Sinclair and Pietel in front of him. Yeah, and all, all three of our guys have goalie coaches, um, you know, back home that they go to. I, you'll be hard pressed to find a guy that doesn't have a guy like a, a designated goalie coach back, whether it was a junior team or their hometown that they like to skate with. So usually that half of the summer that the guys go home, you know, they, that's their responsibility to make sure that they're taking the strides in their game. And you usually don't have ice up here uh, during track A when the guys are up. So we really don't, uh, we focus with on off ice conditioning and off ice improvements. And then as they go home to the second half of track B, that's when they make their on ice gains. Well, you had, when you were playing for tech, you had a goalie coach the first couple of years, but not the second two, right? Yeah, so my there first wasn't an official assistant, right? You had my first year we had, had Steve Shields, Shields, right? Yeah. And then my second year we had Dieter, 
And then my last two, uh, Joe was the assist, the assistant slash goalie coach. Sure. Okay. So how big of a, I mean, is that a big impact there where he's an assistant coach instead of being a goalie coach at that point? Or is it, is it, how much does that actually change when a program doesn't have that assistant coach, the volunteer role? Um, I, th- I think it's humongous. I probably, I don't know if it would have been very frustrating as a goalie to not have a goalie coach. I can say that. I mean, like, like Joe, Joe being a former goalie, being the goalie coach, uh, whether it's at, well, being an assistant slash goalie coach at Northern and at um, Lake State, he knew what he was doing. So he was able to manage his time, his attention on the defense and the, and the goalies in a way that, you know, kind of everybody was able to get exactly what they needed. Uh, I know that if he wasn't there and it was just, we were left to our own devices, we probably, to be honest, I would have been, would have been fine, but it would have been very frustrating just because there's no one to, you know, there's no one kind of, there's no one in your corner if you don't have a goalie coach and, you know, a goaltending is majority mental. And if you don't have someone that's fighting for you, if you don't have someone that believes in you, if you don't have someone that's just there to, tell you hey you look good today like that can that can add up and you can your mind can kind of run wild and so I was very fortunate that we were able to get you know goalie coaches in even after uh, Shields left yeah so Jamie you are you were the goalie my first two years of school so your name is very special in my heart and seeing you come back to tech was (laughs) huge for me so you are. I think I've told you this. You are one of two people I will ever concede to loving Michigan Tech more than I do, and I think that's huge that you're on the coaching staff. So, what I've heard is that when players have a coach that they can look up to, that's made that next step into pros, they kind of are more keen to take that advice. Is that kind of something that you've seen with the three guys that we have? Yeah, I think so. And the you know the goalies that I have this year are you know, they're great people and they're great goalies. And that's, you know, that's always the best combination because, you know, those, they want to work so hard. They kind of want to work too hard that I kind of have to reel them back. And that's nice because I don't want to be, I don't want to chase guys down and I don't want to have to get on guys to do this, do that. You know, they're always dialed in. And so that makes, you know, my job easy and to be able to kind of offer just a little experience of what it takes to be successful at the college level what it takes to move on to the professional level, um, especially someone like being someone who has played, you know, within the last year and someone's recently removed from the game. I, I hope that I offer insight to them and even some of the players. Cause I know our, I mean, we have Tyler Schlass, a strength coach who has been out of the game for well, since I played. So like eight years and even our assistants, you know, they played pro, but that was a long time ago and the game's changed and everything kind of changed. So it's nice to have, I think it's, I hope it's nice for them to have someone that's, recently removed to offer some insight you know offer some good stories some good banter just things to like keep it light in the room and then when it needs to be serious if guys want to know like hey like you know what's it like in the american league or like hey what's it like on nhl playing is it actually as cool as everyone says like just things like that to kind of keep guys like motivated and just keep interested because if you don't have that and especially if there's no one that you know that plays in nhl or you know when you train with back home that plays in the nhl like it's hard to kind of get a little bit of mentorship. So I, I, I'm glad that I can kind of offer some of that insight to all the, all the athletes on the team. Yeah. It gives somebody easy to ask those questions too, right? 
Like you said, it's not as serious as going to the head coach. <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's my job. And like yeah. and like you know, the assistant the assistant coach's job, they're they're to you know do structure and also to be the kind of bridge between um, you know, defense and the head coach and the offense and the head coach and to kind of have that little player like, you know, that good relationship with the players. And same with me. I mean, I volunteer assistant coach, whatever my title is, it's still my job is, you know, I'm a, I'm a player's coach, I guess. I'm not going to, I'm who am I? I'm not going to be a hard ass to anybody. Like it's not, I don't, it's not my role or my position. My position is to be there to get the guys better, to get them to have the best college careers that they can have them make sure that they're successful in their school and give them an opportunity to earn a chance to go on professionally and just to, you know, keep it light. I, I was really serious when I played. And so I needed to have some sort of someone to keep it light with me. And that for me, that was Tyler Schlast. And there's someone to keep it light just so that it kind of kept me from going crazy. So how much time are you spending with the players versus the, the paid staff? Like, are you more limited because of your coursework or are you trying to be there as much as they are? So I'm, I'm at the rink all day, every single day. Uh, since everything's online, it's pretty easy to do my classes just and at the rink. So I usually just, my schedule is I usually get there at around seven in the morning, work out, do school, hang around. And I'm doing, you know, just doing school until the players arrive. And then we do our meetings and all that. We practice, go on with the goalies, practice, get off, hang out. Well, we don't really, can't really hang out really because of COVID protocols, but then stick around with the coaches, do all our post-practice meetings and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I pretty, um, pretty intense, I guess, intense role, pretty laborious role. I'm there the whole day, every day with my school and with all the coaching responsibilities and stuff too. So it's, uh, I'm pretty hands-on. As much hands-on as I can be. Is there any ever point where you're going to be in the McGinnis and not have some sort of textbook behind you as well at some point here? <laughs> <laughs> you, you go you go from playing and having to keep in track, and now you go to coaching and having to keep track. <laughs> yeah, the foreseeable future, no. Um, <laughs> just the way it goes. I don't really know how to be uh, – I, I just all I know is hockey in school at this point. So it's yeah. – <laughs> honestly, like, I, I don't mind it because, you know, what else – what else would I be doing? I'd either be studying here at home or I'm just going to be studying at the rink. And it's the coaches are good that they only give me a hard time 80% of the time and let me study. But <laughs> other than that, it's, it's good. So uh, you don't travel with the team for road games, right? Correct. So I'm, I'm responsible for the, the players that don't travel. I run the practices and those kind of sessions and make sure the workouts are going good and keeping them in shape and keeping their skills up. And kind of like skill development when the team is on the road. Well, okay, I'll circle back on home games. So, what was it like during the the long road trip stretch? Then, when it was just you and what eight or ten guys? I don't even know how many stayed home because I don't think we ever officially found out how many traveled for that trip. Yeah, you basically had was, what two weeks with the players. Yeah, it was two weeks, and the the guys that stayed back and one goalie and um. You know, I, from my perspective, I think I really, really stress for the players is like high skill development, um, especially like looking at our schedule that we have now. We're playing three times a week. That's pretty close to a professional schedule. And you don't get a lot of that in college hockey with the two games a weekend. So taking what I have hands on experience from playing pro 
uh, and seeing how the practices are like structured. For me, for those guys, I focused on skills, making sure they're able to make high skill plays under pressure at full speed. And so that kind of would translate when the, when the rest of the team came back and they're put in game situations, practice situations, under defense, under pressure, because with, with a handful of guys, it's, it's difficult to, you can't run a full practice. So everything we did was small area, things like that. Um, I give the guys a lot of credit. It's a very disappointing feeling when you don't travel. Uh, I know what that's like firsthand. Um, you feel isolated. You feel on an island. You, you're disappointed. You're angry. You're sad. You're frustrated. You're all the emotions and more. And they showed up every single day and they gave me 100%. And I tried to give them 100% because I know what it's like. And I wanted to make sure that they got something out of it. And it wasn't just... And they made sure that it wasn't a pity party. No one was there complaining. Everyone was showing up working. You know, they know that, hey, you know, we're not in the lineup for a reason. Let's put in the work. Let's prove that we're working hard. It's just in case we get that opportunity to get in the lineup, you know, we're able to kind of run with it. Yeah, and it must have been a little bit harder because it's not just four days that the team's gone and you're out for two games. It's it's knowing that you weren't picked to go on that trip for two whole weeks. And you're not going to play anytime soon unless, you know, somebody gets hurt and they're allowed to send a replacement or something like that. And I'm not even sure if they would have since we traveled extra players anyway. Um, a little different situation, but it's nice to hear that they're putting it in. And you can see it from some of the players that have gotten opportunities since the team came back. You know, Datum <clears throat> had a great game on Saturday and probably expect him to play again tomorrow in some role, whether he's top six and they skate a, an extra ski, uh, forward or if he's one of the seven defensemen again. Um, yeah, that's nice to see. So then what is your role for home games? For home games, it's on a game day. It would be make sure that the goalie, starting goalie specifically, but the other goalies are just kind of warmed up, ready to go for pregame skate. Um, just kind of monitor, watch pregame skate, make sure everyone's feeling good, make sure that, you know, I really, I'm hands off at that point because I'm not, it's game day. They're not going to tell anyone that anything magical that's going to make them, you know, get a shutout or make 50 saves. It's making sure that they feel good and they feel confident. And I know from what I played, just having the goalie coach out there was kind of like, you know, added a little bit of, you know, boost to that confidence. So I try to make sure that they're there, that they, if they need me, um, they reach out. And then after that is just to kind of join in. Um, we like to play like three on three games with the, uh, with the scratches. So it's usually coaches against players. I try to get my hands, <laughs> my hands going and, <laughs> with that. And, and just to make sure that, you know, again, even with those guys too, and we have all the coaches that are out playing, you know, we'll do our, we'll do our drills. And after that, it's like, hey, guys, we're going to get something out of it. We're going to have some fun because I know you guys are upset that you're not playing. So let's have our mini games. This is going to be our game for the night. Let's get something out of it. Let's get better. Let's get a good sweat. You'll get your lift. You'll, and then you'll go home, get your nap, and that's it. So my, my role is pretty hands-off on, uh, on game days. So make sure the guys are ready. Make sure they're confident and make sure that they need me. I'm there for them. So to kind of circle back to what you just said, the when does the starting goalie know that he's the starter, typically? I I make sure that they know the night before. Um, I 
I hate, I can say this, I hate with a passion not knowing who's going to play the night before. Um, when I played, it was, I needed, I needed to go to bed knowing what I, like my routine started from the, like the second I woke up. So if I didn't know that I have, you know, a routine to go to, and then you get to the rink for morning skate and your name is not on the board to start, like you just, if it's like one of the worst feelings out there. So I make sure that I let the guys know whether it's, you know, the practice before or the night before, um, like we have a game tomorrow being uh, tomorrow Tuesday against like state. I've already let the guys know I've texted them and said, Hey, you're starting or Hey, so-and-so starting. Um, that's just the way I like to like to do it. I don't want any surprises. I don't want to play mind games, let the guys know who's before they go to bed so that they wake up and they know whether they're playing or whether to prepare just in case they have to go in. How different and thrown off would that schedule be with the weird games this year? Playing a one o'clock game versus a night game. <laughs> it depends. Would that throw your whole routine off into a loop, or are you getting up at three a.m. to run through the same stuff? <laughs> it's two o'clock regular people time. It's oh, one sorry. o'clock I'm central. In cow, I'm yeah. in cow time here in central time. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> um, everyone's <laughs> after different. this goes out, it's too late anyways. So <laughs> yeah, everyone's different. Um, personally, I loved early games. I was kind of guilty of having a routine. Basically, my routine was so long and extensive that. It was kind of exhausting. So with an afternoon game or a morning <laughs> game, whether it was in college or pro, it's just you wake up, you have a brunch, and you just go play. You don't have time to to do anything. You adjust your routine accordingly. And that and then also like the you have you have especially in pro, like you have the rest of the night to yourself or these guys in school like in, in college, like you know, it's a Tuesday. You still have class on Wednesday. You know, the game is over by five. I've, if you have an exam the next day, you still have time to go study for it. Like I, honestly, I wish all games were early. Like I, I, I do not like <laughs> six and seven o'clock games. Like I think all games, four o'clock should be the latest start for a game, in my opinion. <laughs> Especially during COVID time where there's no fans. I know there's there's no. Or hey, we're we're still watching remotely. It's it's it sucks having it on during work hours. <laughs> I like early games. I personally I yeah. liked playing, waking up. I I I love. I was a pregame skate guy, but I like just waking up, no pregame skate play, and then having the whole night to decompress because a lot of guys get so wound up after games that they don't go to bed till two or three in the morning. Their their adrenaline is just so high, and they're so. They were so focused on one thing for so long, it's hard to wind down. And so if you have an extra couple hours to wind down, like you sleep better. And if it's a back-to-back, you wake up, you get a full night's sleep, you wake up, you play again. And I wish I wish all games were at two, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one question I've been itching to ask Jamie is one of my favorite quotes from my friend that played goalies, you can't make a cool save if you're in position. So one thing that I've noticed this year is that we've definitely, it, it seems to me we've made some market improvements in goaltending, but we don't see as many of the like spectacular highlight reel saves that make like the WCHA plays of the week. So I'm wondering how, how important of an ingredient is positioning in your like formula of coaching. Well, I'd rather have goalies of the week than saves of the weeks. So let's start with that. <laughs> um, and, you know what? Your, your friend who said that quote is a hundred percent, right? Um, I know from someone who's either if you're not like a goalie or you're really not somebody who's like really in in tune with just hockey in general, you might 
think of like certain saves, whether it's off the shoulder or even just saves in the chest, like in the slot, you're like, Oh, the guy, you shot it right into him. That's an easy save. Like, no, like positioning is everything for, for a goaltender. And yeah, if, if you can, if you like, if a goalie can go the whole night without making a spectacular save and they're able to make all their difficult, like difficult saves. So saves in like certain areas under certain situations, they're able to make those saves kind of look easy and routine. Like that's a great night. And don't get me wrong. Like I love when, you know, guys have a crazy kick save or split save or whatever, but I like when, I like when a guy, you know, makes 40 is able to go like 43 for 40, 44 and only had to make one miraculous save and the rest were just perfect textbook in position rebounds were controlled. Everything was fire. And, um, that's, that's what I like. So yeah, I, I'm, you know what? I'm glad there's not as many, uh, big saves. And that's also a testament to our defense kind of limiting the number of those huge grade a opportunities that we give up. Um, and then those other ones, you know, sometimes the goalies, it's on the goalies to make a save. Yeah, and that's kind of the answer that I was expecting. I was noticing a lot more, you know, shots straight to the chest of our goalies this year. And, like, our fans in the Discord chat will get upset if we're taking too many shots to the chest of another goalie. <laughs> and sometimes that's just a testament to the positioning of the other goaltender. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. And, you know, right now we've run into some very good goaltenders. And they're making some big saves look easy. And I know it's frustrating. Uh, I, I get frustrated too, because even I'm just like, just put that in the net. But yet, like, I understand <laughs> that. I understand that, like, look, the guy was just so square and was so ready that, yeah, he put that off his shoulder, but he did everything right leading up to that shot to force, you know, our, you know, our top scorer to have to try to pick that spot and the guy still makes a good save. Like you have to, like, you just give credits where credits due. And, you know, our goalies this year have been able to also make saves like that. And have just been in such good position that they're making hard saves look easy. And that, you know, that's, I love that. I love to see that. So what is your perception then of, you know, like the last week from, from both a more also from like a, the defensive goaltender perspective for us? I mean, we allowed what, seven, eight, nine goals on, 60 shots in the last week i know we've i know we've spent a lot of time as fans i think focusing on the lack of scoring but we also gave up a lot of goals on not a lot of shots over the last three games yeah yeah we did and if if you look at the numbers in a way of you know nine on nine on 50 or nine on whatever then it looks bad but if you break down the types of goals that are going in you know this, this, the box score doesn't show the box score makes a dump in from the other side, other end of the ice that goes straight in the same kind of t- uh, same goal as someone coming in a three on O tic-tac-toe. And although we haven't given up the three on O's, fortunately, you know, we, we have given up some shots from the slot or low to highs, quick one-timers. Those are, those are difficult saves that you would like your goalie to make, but you have to understand that, your goal is not going to make all those saves all the time. And it just so happens that we gave up more than we usually do. Um, the other teams took advantage of their opportunities. And that that's really what the difference has been uh, in my mind. Uh, I can only speak from what I see. And it's just been, 
capitalizing on opportunities and the other teams have been able to do it. And right now, for whatever reason, just in the last three games, we haven't. And that's the good news is it's been three games and it hasn't been the whole season. So I wouldn't press the panic button right now, but I think the guys, the guys are well aware of it. And, you know, everyone was pretty, pretty fired up to try to score as many as they can today in practice so that going into Lake state tomorrow, they're feeling good and going to Northern the weekend, they're feeling good and that they're able to kind of, you know, when they get the chance to get it on and off the stick as quick as possible and put it in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, there's five shutouts this year. That's, I don't know. I have to look back at other years, but that's seems like a decent amount, you know, from, from previous history. Right. If you guys are done with um, current, current questions, I've got one from the past. Um, Jamie, um, from your time playing at Tech, you played in one very memorable game that we all remember. Um, share your thoughts and memories from playing in three overtime game against um, Alabama Huntsville. Shutout, <laughs> three overtime shutout. Yeah, that was that was a doozy. Um, that's the longest <laughs> game that I've ever played in. Uh, it's it's funny because because of that that game like. Because of that game, uh, Carmine Guerrero in Alabama kind of we developed like a friendship after that, and we played against each other in pro. And now he's an assistant coach at Alabama, and we've kept in contacts um, really throughout the last five or six years um, since that game. And for me, like looking back, the only thing was just that was his for him. It was just the best display of goaltending I've probably ever seen was that game and how well he played. Um, I had like 34 shots in nine periods or six periods or whatever. Like that's not, <laughs> it's nothing special. Like he's putting up 70. Um, <laughs> it, it was frustrating because I just wanted to score. I was like, I wanted to go home. We had a game the next day. Five. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and it, but actually there was a point where I thought, um, I, I thought this game is never going to end because I was like, Hey, we're exhausted as a team. And, so like we're really not even getting like great shots off and he's stopping everything and i'm like and i'm i just said like i'm not going to give up a goal so we might go all night i don't like i i didn't see an ending coming and that's the honest thing is i, I genuinely thought we were going to play the entire night and i was ready <laughs> i was ready to play the whole night and i was i'm really happy we scored <laughs> because uh it didn't i was pretty pretty tired at that point but wow was that that's just like an insane, insane game. I might have to go back and watch just like the highlight reels of that game because that was that's a wild one. See, that's why ties and games that have to be settled are the way things should be, and not stupid shootouts. In regular season, I would rather go five on. Five. I like the three on over three on overtime, but I'd rather go five on five for five minutes, three on three for five minutes, and then shootout. That's the exact strat that I would like to see, or even two three on threes. Yeah, I also or I'd be down um, for three. On, I'd be down to three on three till someone scores because it's not gonna go that long. Yeah, I, I would rather see a game finish on three on three than than a shootout myself as a fan. I would much rather see that the shootout part. I don't care for. No, oh, my last touch on that Huntsville game is is all I remember from that one. The biggest thing I remember besides it finally ending was that in the Misfits section, we did 99 bottles of beer on the wall, and we did 99 full bottles of beer on the wall, like all the way through it. 
So other than that game, what's what's your favorite moment as a tech player? Um, I had a lot of really good moments. Uh, I think the one that always like sticks out, I when we like after we won the McDonald Cup, when the fans rushed the ice, kind of our last game, I think we had that kind of a trophy ceremony after the playoff round. I just like I'd never. I've never seen anyone like seen any team rush the ice or fans rush the ice in hockey before, and just to have everyone there like cheering and Matt being, I think that was my last game with the Johnny Mac. Like that, that's like that's a, like a really emotional one because you like you put in so much hard work, you know, physically, academically, like everything, and then just to have everyone out there celebrating and smiling and just cheering for like felt like it just went on for hours like that that is probably the one moment that's like so special because I'll never ever have a like be a part of something like that again uh like hopefully as a coach like that would be nice but it's different when you're a coach and when you're a player is like you know fans aren't coming on the ice to cheer on the coaches (laughs) so like that that's something that forever I'll be able to have been a part of and it's like a one-time thing that, you know, I had a lot of wins. I had a lot of shutouts and every lead, like, you know, I had a lot of losses, but never have I ever had been a part of something like that. So that's the one, the big one for me. That was your senior year, right, Jamie? That was my senior year. And that's like, yeah. it's one of those things I think college that like the fan athlete relationship is like, it's pretty unique, especially at a smaller school like tech. I mean, obviously if you're going to like, you know, Michigan or a big 10 school, it's, it's, it's a little different, but it's, it's, it's hard to describe because the fans are also your classmates and they're also sometimes people you live with and the same people you see at the bars and the parties and all these things And you develop such a unique relationship and like you're friends with fans when you're in, in college, you know, in, fans aren't really friends with Sidney Crosby or these people like when yeah. you go pro <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a whole different thing so to be able to celebrate like why I think is another reason it's so special is because we weren't just celebrating our individual achievements as a team we were celebrating as a school and as like the community that you know wanted has wanted that trophy for 40 years so yeah, in all honesty, it's been a long time <laughs> since a, that happened. It was a long time. And so like, <laughs> yeah. it just like, it kind of felt like a relief for everybody. And it just like the green light for everyone to just like, you know, just let's go party and let's just enjoy it. It's like to be able to kind of like sense that and feel that energy. Like that's like, kind of like I got like a goosebumps talking about it right now because that's just yeah. like, it's yeah. so, so special. No, I, exactly, I grew up in the area yeah. and have literally been at the rink every weekend since I was carried to the rink as an infant, right? I mean, my parents have had season tickets since the early 80s, since they were students. So I, I've been at the McGinnis weekend, week out since I was little, and that's the first time that we won something, right, in a long, long time. And that whole celebration was just fantastic. There's a whole different feeling to that than to like a – a skate with the Huskies type event where I, you know, growing up as a, as a kid, I, I can't imagine how much that would have sucked for the players because it would, you'd be after a loss most of the time. And now you're down here with a whole bunch of little kids that want, you know, to hang out and stuff and you got to put on a good face and they all, everybody always did. I'm not trying to say anybody was grumpy or anything. I don't know. I think John Scott enjoyed signing his name to my nipple. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't remember that perspective as much. I remember it as a little kid, though. Like, I, I remember being taught to skate by, uh, I, I want to say Stevens was the guy's name, who brought me around with a chair teaching me how to skate at a skate for the Huskies when I was really little, right? So that, that type of event, the community aspect, that's huge there. And to have finally that just release of winning something, it was just that's fantastic. It it is awesome. I think I gave Mel a giant hug when he went to go shake my hand. Yeah, I and this is exactly the kind of thing that like because I come from, you know, like a mid major city background, people are like, you know, why would you go that hard and cheer for a college team? That's exactly the kind of thing that like I would go back and say to them. Like, for me it's not like you know, like if you're a Penguins fan, you're cheering for a bunch of guys you've never met before, like Crosby. Like I'm going out there and I'm cheering for my classmates. I'm cheering for my friends. I'm amongst there with like, you know, everyone else. There's just such an incredible community feel to it that you just, I've just never experienced anywhere else in hockey. And I've, I've, I played a lot of games. You know, I, 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 I topped out at midget double B, so don't act like I was good, (laughs) but, and, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of games and it's just, I've never been a part of, Anything that's as special as a college atmosphere, especially not a tech, and I think that was a really good way to summarize that, especially in that night. But that community is it revolves around hockey up there this time of year. It's huge. Whether whether it's tech hockey or it's, you know, Hancock Houghton Calumet hockey, it's it's a big deal. You watch tech games, they'll have lower attendance if the high school teams are playing at the same time, you know, up in Calumet. Because you gotta divide the attention of a small area and you're trying to fill two decent sized rinks. It's a, it's a big deal up there, and people pay attention to it. You know, Joe Joe alludes to that all the time on his show. You know, he's getting questions that are high hockey IQ questions from community members that, you know, just because you're going out grocery shopping, you're getting asked line choices and stuff like that because people, people care. Yeah, and I like remember I said, being able to get, like, one-on-ones with Joe and just being like, hey, you know, like, why did you bench this guy or, like, what's going on with him? And he would give me a super honest answer, but those are, like, questions that you maybe wouldn't expect from – coaching somewhere else from someone that's just an average fan yep yeah it's it's a special place that i'd like to be at if there was work i'm jealous that you can go back home and you know work and take (laughs) classes at the same time and still still be around tech hockey that's that's a fantastic opportunity for you so to circle back on some current things uh, one of the things that i kind of went through today when i got some time was kind of breaking up our stats into opponents because we we basically have like two sets of opponents we've we've basically beat the crap out of northern Huntsville and Ferris and and played some really good games but struggled to get wins against Lake State Bemidji Bowling Green and Minnesota State but then I also took another swat uh uh swat at things and noticed that pre and post COVID shutdown that our numbers are also quite a bit different I see that, um, like post COVID, our save percentage has dropped like 32 points. Um, our goals against is up about a half a goal a game, but our scoring is also up about a half a goal a game. Do you have any perception of, of what's happening other than maybe who we're playing? But I mean, we've, we've played a lot of not great teams in there too. But how, what's your perception of how the season's progressing for the goalies or the team as a whole? Um, I, I don't, I'm not a big analytics person personally. Okay. I, I pay attention to it enough just to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm up to date. But for me, it's never being the goalie coach. Like 
as long as the guys are feeling good and like they are saying they're not fighting it and I can tell that they're not fighting it, not they're, they're lying to me. It's just like, they're making the saves they need to make every now and then they're making the big saves. They're practicing hard. They're, you know, they're not tired. They're not worn down. That for me is more of an indicator and in how they're going to play than maybe some of the stats. Um, yeah. Like the COVID shutdowns hurt everyone. No matter what your team is, especially for us, we had, we had a lot of momentum before our last shutdown. And that's kind of a bummer because, you, you know, you can't train, you can't do all these things. Like you know, there's all the rules in place. Um, so it does take some time to kind of get the groove back. Um, but as in, for me, the, the only stat that really matters is wins loss. Um, and, you know, if we're, if, as long as we win, more games than we lose, like I'm happy. We can work for me. I can work on little things on the goaltending side. Um, but as long as we're winning that, that I'm happy. Um, so hopefully we get back in the win column here. So I know Joe in the past has talked a lot about hitting numbers on saving. What, what is his stat saving six out of seven scoring chances? Not, he doesn't care as much about saves, per se versus like shots because it's like there's a lot of um bad shots or what like there's a lot of shots that count that aren't necessarily hot at all high percentage so how how is the team faring in in those regards because we don't really get to see those i mean i obviously if i took the time and could get all the the uh uh like period layout uh shot chart stuff i could figure out what he's talking about but it's kind of hard for me to get a hold of those from here in minnesota so how is the team doing from that perspective and is that still a target now that you're involved yeah so joe, joe likes his numbers and he likes that stat that was a stat we had talked about even when i played um and we so far last i saw is we were still ahead of our target so on on the average we were making we were, I'm not really sure what it was. I think it was like one goal every, every, I can't remember, but it was above that, that sick, making six out every seven saves. And so that, that's a good thing. Um, the, the analytics that I take for the goalies are a lot different than the analytics the coaches use um, sometime, depending on the, what, what software they're using or whoever is kind of doing the video, um, like, a shot in a certain area, regardless of where, like how hard that shot is. Basically, most software will judge a, a chance based on area, not where on the difficulty. puck was shot from, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I do all my analytics kind of, and it's, I do it kind of based on my own, like, opinion of as a goalie, how difficult was that save? And so a guy coming in and taking a shot from the hash marks right down the gut into the middle is not as difficult as a shot that's taken from the blue line through eight bodies. That's just the reality. This is the reality of it. But um, the analytics would say, Oh, that's a shot from the blue line. Like that shouldn't go in because it's from the blue line, but yeah, but it was tipped three times and there's five guys on a flash screen. Like that's a difficult save if you can't see it. Whereas the analytics will say, Oh, that shot was from the dot, but, yeah, I was a shot at the dot, but he shot five hole going five miles per hour. Um, so like, again, like that's where like 
analytics and hockey or the tic-tac-toe of being able to get it across the crease quickly and you've got a lot of position to make up versus a straight on shot yeah i get what you're saying yeah it's like oh it's it's like oh we gave up a one-timer from the 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 far hash marks yeah it was a seam pass on a five on three like that's that's different so that's where analytics kind of there's no way unless someone comes up with really good like AI that can kind of make those decisions. There's no way to accurately do goalie stats. So goalie stats are pretty hard to do. You can do the save percentage, you can do, you know, goals against, but it's all relative. Um, but for me, like I, I know when the goalies played well and I know when they played poorly and they also know as, and they know. So a lot of it comes down to the meetings that I have with them. And then just going over, like, how do you think you played? How did you feel? What do you want to improve on? Let's go over your video. And then how do they play the next night? How do they play the next night? And going from there, rather than focusing so hard on, like, you know, hey, your goals against has to be, you know, one and a half. And your save percentage has to be nine, three, five, or we're never going to win. And it's like, no, it, we score 10 goals and you give up nine goals. And we do that every single game. We will still win a national championship because we just scored more goals. So. Let's focus Maybe you should on the talk win. to Joe about scoring more then. <laughs> let's focus on the let's focus on the wins. Let's focus on how you're feeling. Let's focus on your confidence and everything else will take care of itself. I think that's a great approach to take because it did feel like over the last couple of years, without a goalie coach there, that that Joe really, really harped on those numbers and and sometimes it felt like the big picture got lost or it felt like that was really getting in the goalies heads that, that I'm not like, you're not meeting that mark. So you're going to get benched and it just kind of snowballed into worse and worse at times when, when it goes bad. And, and I think that's why the team had was kind of streaky, like how they would go through the playoffs and have really good stretches because things are going well. But as soon as it turned, it kind of fell apart especially when it felt like he was playing a big carousel with who's starting because one guy didn't hit the mark one game or whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I it definitely sounds like it, it's good to have you there and have that approach of a more uh, like not so analytics focused, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I can't speak on how things were before, uh, before I got here, but I just know for me that you know, if we give up two two grade A chances in a game and the goalie gets in one on one on those two, but we still win two one, the analytics will say, hey, we gave up 50% of your grade A chances. But it doesn't really represent the game. Uh it doesn't really represent, you know, the difficulty of that grade A chance. And so I think a lot of it is just like it's good to have those goals because it sets like a precedent like hey as a team let's reduce we you know we're giving up too much we can kind of reduce it okay we can look at the trends yes we're we're getting better or we're getting worse at the amount of chances we're giving up and same as a goal is hey we're giving up more we're giving up less but it doesn't always represent what actually happens on the ice and that is my role as a goalie coach and as the role of the coaches is to be able to see that and evaluate what actually happens, talk to the players, get what they think happened and how they felt. Sometimes I don't know if the puck's tipped. I just can't see it from the, from the press box. And so I go back. It's like, hey, like what happened there? 
like I genuinely didn't see it and I hit that guy's heel and bounced in. And then you go like, okay, I, I, it looked bad from where I was sitting, but if it hit that guy's heel, like I, you know, that's just the way hockey goes. Um, so to be able to kind of evaluate and make decisions on playing and kind of practice things like that, just based on more than just numbers. And, and we do. And the coaching staff, we have extensive long, long meetings about all those things. And the numbers only come in a little bit. Uh, it's mostly, it's just, it's kind of on feel and kind of how do we, how do we see the guys and how are the guys, you know, how do they feel and what is the kind of responses that we're getting back from the captains and the goalies and everyone like that. So we've got a couple questions here and I'm trying to figure out how to, to tie them into what we've been asking or what we've been talking about. But Marvin Wilson wanted to know if you have any influence on recruiting as a volunteer coach. I know this weird year is probably a bad example because things have been so different than normal, not being able to actually go watch players play. But Yeah, I, I know volunteer coaches are not allowed to travel and do like official recruiting, uh, but I'm allowed to watch video, and I do. Uh, the the assistants, re- really how it works, it's pretty pretty good. It's convenient for me, actually. The assistants, they do their recruiting. You know, they're not allowed to do their traveling because of COVID and stuff. So they watch all the games. And whenever they see someone that they they think or they may think is a good fit from a goaltending standpoint, they just send me the name. I watch his games and I give him feedback and what I think and, you know, what, what are our needs? What do I, you know, kind of what do I think makes a good college goaltender and what potential this guy has. So it's it's pretty good because I don't have to go anywhere and I can still uh, still get involved. <laughs> Uh, still get involved on that side and trying to find guys that are going to be, you know, good college goaltenders for Michigan Tech. So with with the COVID uh, rules and having an extra year of eligibility, are you guys actually looking at a goalie for next year or not really? I, I don't really know what our what our plans for next year. I know we're always looking. F- we're always looking for players and that's just the way, the way it goes because you never know what happens with, with guys. Um, yeah. We know we were looking at goalies, you know, we, we tried, we started looking at players when they're, you know, 14, 15 years old until they're 21 to see which, you know, try to put together the best roster we can. And so we never really say like, okay, we're no longer looking for a goalie because the, in four years we're going to need a goalie. So who's good when they're 14? who's good when they're 15 because by the time they're playing junior, like we want to have tabs on these guys. So it's a never ending process of looking for guys. And to kind of circle back, I guess we haven't gotten to see Caden Bailey play yet. So how, how is he doing in practice and developing to be a division one goalie? Caden is on the right path and that's exactly what I like to see. Um, you know, he came in as a freshman. Um, it's I know it's what it's like to be a freshman and not play. It's very difficult. And it's very frustrating. And to his credit, all he wants to do is just get that opportunity. So he puts in the work uh, in practice with me. He's asking questions. He's doing. He's looking for whatever feedback he can get from anybody. And you know, and the amount of strides he's taken in his game from the from September till now is is night and day. And He's, he's building that confidence in the coaching staff for when that time comes, his opportunity comes that we'll have confidence in him and he's looking really good. And 
he's a very good goaltender. He's a very good kid. So, um, you know, fortunately there's only one net and right now there are two really good goalies in front of him. but the good news is, is he's a good goalie in his own right. And he will get an opportunity of some eventually. And I know he's going to be ready for it when he gets it. That's great. So from, from a goalie's perspective, have you had any input on helping the offense be better? Um, indirectly, uh, with the goalie skates and skill sessions, um, I like to design drills that benefit both the player and the goalie. I'm not a big believer in like, I know, I know like a lot of the, a lot of the shooters don't want to do like come out in goalie skates because they think it's just like, I'm going to tell them, Hey, you have to shoot low glove and you can't shoot hard. I, I'm not, my philosophy isn't like that. My philosophy is have, you know, ha tailor it so that you're working on weaknesses but you're also challenging the goalie to have to make saves because that's when you get better. If the goalie knows where you're going to shoot, yeah, that specific practice is good for certain things, but that's not how the game's played. And so when we get guys out, I always try to make sure that the drills, in a sense, are game-like um, so that the players are able to have to, you know, have to make high-skilled plays to score, and the goalies have to make high-skilled plays to make the save. And that way it gets better. Um, I also do the pre-scout for, uh, like the other team's goalies. So I watch the other team's goalies games, uh, break down their strengths, their weaknesses, uh, kind of their tendencies, where they seem to get beat, um, and what they, how they play and kind of what can, can the offense do that might give them a slight advantage, um, when it comes to scoring. Uh, so that's, that's my role. So the reason we actually picked to have you on this week was because we're playing Northern this coming weekend and you're, you've got the player's perspective. What is the rivalry like for you guys as players? Well, I can speak in what I played and it's like, it's, it's honestly like just hatred. Uh, it's just, it's weird <laughs> because like, it's, it's because all of a sudden, like when you come in as a freshman, like you hear like, oh, it's rivalry, it's Northern. They're just down the streets, 99 miles, blah, 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 blah. And you don't really get it till you get in the game. And then it just, it just clicks and you just hate these guys. And it's, <laughs> and it's funny because like my, like, I guess like going forward, like my brother-in-law played on Northern and like, I played against him and it's just one of those things where it's just like when he it's when we're on the ice we just hate each other off the ice it's whatever but like there's no better feeling than beating northern even from a coach or even when i wasn't coaching i was just watching as a fan like i loved when we beat northern and it's just i it's i wish you i wish i can't really describe it because i don't know how it's just the way that they play the way that their fans treat us as players, the way it's just the energy in the building. All you want to do is just, you cannot let these people succeed. You have to do whatever <laughs> you can to stop yeah. them from succeeding because you just hate these guys as, as it's, a, it's an extremely visceral hatred. Just as athletes, yeah, like you just hate yeah, the exactly, players yeah. at Northern. And, the, and I like, you know, I loved beating Northern and Northern. I loved it. Like, 
I just, it sounds bad. I don't, whatever. I don't mind. I don't really care. I could, I could say it like no better feeling than a beating them on their senior night, ruining their senior night and B <laughs> shutting them out at our senior night and getting a shutout like my, my senior night. Like I was all, I almost got the back-to-back shutouts and they had, you know, they had done some greasy things. So it came to slashing me in the back of the leg as hard as they could and cross-checking me in the face and that kind of, you know, nonsense, which is why you hate Northern. But <laughs> yeah, that exactly. rivalry is intense. And I love any, any chance you get to beat Northern, you just, you take it. And that's the thing is, I don't know if I've seen, you know, there's a lot of rivalries in sports, but it's the first one that I've really got to take like firsthand part of as like a leader of the Misfits. Oh, there's- and even from the fan perspective, like the way they treat you is just tough. Like, I remember having to go with Manit to Northern's public safety because he had like racist comments towards him at Northern and like things like that. And it's a very hostile place to play. There is and nothing you know, more fun than going out drinking in Marquette after a husky win. And it is so much fun to well, walk around in a tech jersey in Marquette. I know, after just we all win. that BS that. before that championship game. Right. Like oh, that God, whole yeah. day between the before and then like running into the same guy drunk at the bar after yeah. <laughs> and just ripping on him, like just all that yeah. stuff. I mean, and I mean, I'm many... basically here doing this podcast because of a Northern game. Like it's, it's crazy how much that rivalry has meant to like everything. Well, it, it's not just a hockey rivalry too. I'm sure if you ask the basketball players, you know, they'd say the same thing. Uh, or I mean, the football again, team and the Miners the Cup fo- and all that stuff. It, right. It's, I, mean, yeah. I, I love soccer. I love when, like, you know, Michigan Tech Athletics tweets or, like, posts, like, you know, Tech beat Northern. I just think, I love it. Right. It's yeah. just that right. rival. Like, you just, you just get so that little, like, fist pump every time you read it. It could yeah, be a rifle just a team, and I don't care. We beat Northern. Kick goes, ass. Right? Yeah. It's such a unique rivalry that goes back so long. And to be a part of that, like, you – as an athlete, and all the athletes will attest to it, it just it just happens. No one has yeah. to tell you. You're just in the heat of the moment, and someone says something to you, or someone slashes you, or a fan throws their drink at you, and you're like, <laughs> this is it. I, yeah. I, I hate you guys. I am going to play my best game. You're not winning. And I love it. And that's <laughs> that's the intensity that like that athletics live. That's the whole point of athletics is just to have that intensity, yeah. that rivalry. It's it's the only club soccer game we had to have an ambulance come to. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing is that I'm sure no tech fan will ever tell you that they hate Marquette. Like Marquette's I love more the town. Than, oh, it's I a more love beautiful, beautiful town, town to go to. It's, a it's an unbelievable yeah. town. I love going there. They just happen to have one big stain there that we have to get rid of every time we visit. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, you know, for, for, for us as hockey players, it's just like, if you can, people like you guys are passionate about it. Like, People in Houghton are passionate about, you know, Marquette and beating them, beating Northern. Like, to be able to just be a part of that small town rivalry is like, it's like that Friday Night Lights feeling. You know, it's like you can't describe it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole town, whole bunch of people go down. The the arena, the rink is packed in, in Marquette when it's not normally. Like, I didn't even know uh, it, when I was in college, I went back to uh, my, my brother-in-law played hockey. Uh, for the electricians and I went to go to a game of his and it was at Lakeview Arena and I hadn't been there since I was little you know because we didn't play Northern as much once the conferences split for a bit there right when they went to the CCHA we didn't play them quite as much as we used to 
I didn't even recognize the rink. We walked in there. I'm like, I've been here before. I know that's where the players come out because we used to wait after for afterwards after the games. You know, we, we'd go down there for every series. That's your closest game you can go to as a tech fan. It's, you know, as an away game. And we went to all of them growing up. I mean, we were always in Marquette for those games. It's just that rivalry is it's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's, special. it's a really special thing to be a part of. Yep, but the best part, though, is after we beat them in that championship game, right, and they're done with their year, that drunk guy, what did he actually say to us afterwards when we met him in the, in that bar and he was being pissy? I don't even know. I don't remember. It, was a, it, it instantly went to, now that you guys beat us, go kill go everybody else because you, yeah, you represent the UP. The UP. And that, that's the best part of it, too. Is like, again, like you have that, that hatred, that fire inside you, but when it's all said and done, you know, it just stays in the ring. But for, I can say that at least for hockey players, it stays at the rink. You move, you move on and you're like, you know, if, if they beat us then it's just like, I hate you guys for beating us, but you know what? Good luck. You know, you represent right. the UP and it's advice and it's vice versa. You know, they hate us for beating them, but they you understand that the challenges that, you know, a small, smaller schools and Upper peninsula face, like they get it. And so there, there is that respect. But there's also that that passion that we yeah not it's like a it's a it's a sibling rivalry thing right where you want to beat the crap out of whoever it is but you're the only you're the only one that's allowed to do that after it <laughs> yeah, goes yeah. out of the UP <laughs> it's like leave them alone although I do like when other teams beat Northern too I don't mind that <laughs> yeah it's, I don't mind if, true, other, if Northern just loses all their games <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing for me is that as a Tech fan if we lose every single game except for Northern and Michigan then I'm happy. I'm having a great time. Our Discord chat just is not, but Lake State just over like, guys for here too. Bunch of dev- <laughs> I don't know if our Discord chat likes the team or if they just like to complain. Okay, I'm gonna throw that out there. I mean, it's been that it's been that way for a while. Yeah, <laughs> downright toxic sometimes. I will say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's honestly growing up with the teams that I got to watch growing up compared to now. It's refreshing to be critical of a team that's losing games as opposed to, oh, we finally won our fifth of the yeah. year. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly guys. And you know, that's a perspective a that very difference. few people other than you and me in that chat have. They, a lot of people there only know a winning team, which is a, it's a refreshing thing that that's yeah. what has happened recently is yeah. that tech is a winning program again. And our expectation is home playoffs. It is moving on and, and, and getting the NCAAs. Hopefully that's the end goal. Instead of let's just you know get to double digit wins for the year and call it call it good you know yeah. so yeah I'm happy to see the program turn around so much yeah back when Dustin and I were road tripping to pretty much every game I don't know how many times we got the oh you're a tech fan that's so cute because you're because you're traveling <laughs> and you're typically watching them lose both games and then that off night that or that odd night where we got a victory it was just gravy because we were having fun being there regardless and then you win a game and then like now i understand why dirty was such a such a pissed off person when tech would win because that's how i feel when we lose to like you know ferris or or huntsville or or uh one of the alaska schools or whoever was down that year and we would take a bad loss like i get why he punched a wall now (laughs) you know like i remember being like i remember like slapping the wall when tech gave up the second goal on saturday night this week because it was just like they just tied it up they're turning the corner like get the next goal and we can win this thing and then they give up that goal and it was just like god 
like my daughter came downstairs to check on me. Like, I, I, did they? <laughs> she comes down very quietly and pokes her head around the corner. I'm like, "What's up, kiddo?" And she's like, like points a thumb down at me. Like, what? Like, my, uh, did did something go wrong in the game, Daddy? <laughs> like, I don't I mean, want to ask. <laughs> and it was just cute, but it like I get it now. Uh, but I try to still be the rational guy of like, like Joe said, like how many teams put up 80 shots on Bemidji State in a weekend? Not many. My wife walked. My wife walked by either on Saturday or Friday. I don't know which one because both the games are pretty similar from a shots and score perspective, right? Yeah. She walked by and it was one to nothing, and we had you know a ton of shots. And she looks at the shots on goal and goes, "This side of the scoreboard doesn't add up to this side of the scoreboard. What's going on?" No, because she doesn't want to watch the games, but she stops by and looks at them every once in a while. But uh, it's basically been rinse repeat for the whole week because it's Bemidji's frustrating. They've always been that way. Both the teams are. Both of them like. The biggest problem Tech had in both those games was they never got a lead. They gave up early goals in pretty much every game. And it's just hard to play those teams from behind. Like, I get that. Like, watch Bemidji. Like, how many icings do they take just to clear when they know there's a threat? But, yeah, I uh, is there anything else you guys really want to talk about? Because we've gone long enough, and I'm fine <laughs> with not really doing any of our usual stuff because it was such a good discussion. But uh, anything else you really want to talk about, Jamie, or or thoughts on the coming game starting tomorrow? Maybe drop in who's starting since nobody will hear this till after the game anyway. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. we're going to keep in secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blake's, Blake's <laughs> going to start uh, for us tomorrow. Uh, no, I don't have anything else. This is a good discussion. If there's any final questions, I'd love to love to answer them. But this is a, this was a good chat. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it's fun. We, we try to have a good time. Uh, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Thanks again, Jamie Phillips, for joining us this week. Uh, please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to monthly Zoom chat features uh, featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more to come. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email at uh, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash ChasingMacPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast in your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. 